As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. So... In light of everything happening, um, we're going to hit pause on our current season. Um, Instead, resurface an episode that was really important to us uh, that we did about two years ago on uh, inequality in tech, where we interviewed Everett Taylor about his experiences, um, especially on LinkedIn and being racially profiled there, Sadi Musafar um, about pay inequality, Arlen Hamilton about why she does uh, the work that she's doing today, the incredible work. Um, we felt like these were important stories to tell to our community here. Uh, When we first released this episode, it was right after the Unite the Right rally, where Heather Heyer was murdered by a white supremacist. And so we'd recorded these under the This New Economy moniker, 
and this episode's and these episodes weren't available um, currently on the Rocketship feed, so we wanted to make sure that we had this content available and and that will live on um, in this feed because uh, this was some of the most I feel important and impactful work that we've done um, on this show, and so we'll bring it to you here today. Hope you enjoy. And I've looked over, and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. I had someone recently tell me that he didn't feel that, he felt that women were treated equally in America. And I, I just wondered what what country he, he was in. other side when you want people to give you an opportunity and because you don't have this certain background you don't have this certain education you haven't worked at these certain companies right your name might be spelled a little bit differently so diversity in tech uh, this has been an episode i've really wanted to tackle for a while but also an episode i've been really nervous about tackling okay why have you been nervous about it yeah, well, you know, we're we're two white guys. We are. And I just felt like we might get it wrong, you know? And and this wasn't something that I, I wanted to get wrong. Yeah, well, I totally hear you there. And actually, I have been feeling sort of the same in that I thought that this is actually, in my opinion, this might be the most important episode that we do. Yes, we are two white guys, but, you know, we're talking about issues that, you and I, maybe we haven't had to deal with, but our friends have, our family members have in some cases. Um, in fact, I know, I mean, you probably have very special reasons for wanting to do this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, my family is, is mixed. My wife is black. My, my kids are, are mixed. And, you know, when I, I look at some of the things that are happening out there and the stories that we hear, I, I can see them in that. And and I worry that they're going to go out into the, the workplace or into college or in, into the world, and they're going to be faced with these issues that I've never had to face. If we can even make a, a scratch in the surface of bringing, I guess, awareness to these issues, then I, I feel like I've done a little something as a parent, right? And, and all we want to do is try to make the world a better place for our kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, as I've been trying to think about this more, I mean, because I had the same sort of struggle that you had mentioned before where it's like, well, this is an important one, but man, I, I'm a white male in technology. Like there's a lot of people that are like me. Should I be the one that's, you know, helping move this type of conversation along? Um, even though I'm going to be at the you know very bottom of the totem pole here in terms of, you know, being able to really, you know, have deep experience about understanding what it is that other folks have had to go through that me as a white male, I haven't. I still feel like this is an awesome conversation that I want to be a part of and play at least, I don't know, a really small role in. Yeah, yeah. And we've tried to bring those stories 
today. So we, you know, we've talked to Everett Taylor and Arlen Hamilton and uh, the diversity team at Stripe, and hopefully by by bringing some of those experiences and stories, and maybe even some solutions of what people are trying, uh, that we can we can help maybe move the needle or bring awareness or maybe inspire someone to try something at their company. I am really looking forward to this episode, so I can't wait to just get right into it. Yeah, let's do it. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We're your hosts, Michael Saka and Mike Belsito. So we know diversity can be a difficult issue to discuss, uh, but the truth is the tech industry has a problem. And I know when we were doing some research into this, Mike, you found some interesting data by the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Yeah, I did. And, you know, this data that they had put together, it actually, there are some really interesting things you could read from it. I mean, there are huge racial disparities in the tech workforce compared to the private sector overall. And I mean, the data points right to that. And I found similar data from the open mic. They reviewed the data from some of the biggest tech firms and they saw a consistent pattern, which was overwhelming, disproportionate percentages of white male employees. And then at the executive and upper management, it was even worse. Blacks, Latinos and Native Americans are all underrepresented in tech by nearly 16 to 18% compared to their presence in the US labor workforce overall. Yeah, and tech companies, they should be concerned about this and their investors should be concerned too. I know investors like to you know, think about the bottom line, but the evidence actually suggests that a racially diverse tech sector, it actually could translate into stronger financial performance. There's this report that McKinsey did on diversity and it showed that there's this correlation between racial and ethnic diversity in a company's financial performance. It was for every 10% of an increase in racial and ethnic diversity on the senior executive team, there's actually a full percentage point that the gross earnings actually rose by. Why is it so hard for companies like Apple and Microsoft to build a workforce that better represents the customers that they're actually selling to? Right, and this brings us to our first story where we talked with Everett Taylor. He's the national brand ambassador for NASA Startup Initiative. He's the head of marketing at Los Angeles-based startup Skirt. He's young, he's accomplished, and he's black. And when he was 19, he discovered this amazing tool called LinkedIn. Come back home to Richmond, and I hear about this thing called LinkedIn, and I'm like, whoa, this is way better than classified ads. I need to get on this. And I was pretty confident, right? I was like, you know, I'm 19, but I've had four years of experience because I had three years of experience at Eastern National and then one year of experience at United Way um, during my first year of college as a marketing coordinator, right? And so I'm applying to pretty entry level things and I'm not getting any responses. And, you know, me naturally as a marketer, you know, I want to A-B test this. Like, I'm like, what's going on? Why isn't anyone giving me a shot? So... I can't come up with any solutions. And, and then I started thinking about, it. I was like, is it because I'm black? And you know, you never wanna be that guy, right? You never wanna, you know, make it about race. You know, like, you know, if you have some people that that's the first thing they jump at. I always try to look at myself first before putting it on the color of my skin, right? I think I might be able to see where this is. So I, I bet, he changed, did, you know, did he experiment and try to change the picture that he had for himself on LinkedIn to see if that made a difference? Yeah, he sets up a, a, a fake profile 
with essentially the same resume that he has and he puts a white guy changes the name uh it was like something like i don't know bradley or something i don't and applies to the exact same jobs and seven out of those 10 companies responded back with interest 10 companies that didn't even respond back to me and so that really was the point that really pushed me to the point of wanting to be an entrepreneur. <sighs> that is so messed up. Right? Yeah. And at that point, he deleted LinkedIn. Yeah. And he has never set up an account again. Yeah. I, that's awful. So right there, you know, we start to see we start to see the problem staring us in the face, right? And as a young 19-year-old kid, I mean, Everett kind of has this like never gonna give up attitude, but not everyone is is Everett. Right, well, and that it is a perfect um, sort of rebuttal to, you know, sometimes people will try to say, oh, no, I mean, the best person gets the job, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with anything else. But in that situation, it's like the exact same background. I mean, everything else was exactly the same except name and photo and it just proves that it, it, it's not necessarily what it's all about we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors when rain wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep he had two choices construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. Now back to the show. We also talked to somebody else, Sadia Musafar. She's a Canadian-based entrepreneur. And there was a point in time where she confided in one of her coworkers what her salary was. And she figured out she was actually making 40% less than her male counterparts. Same roles, you know, same, you know, general experience, but 40% less in terms of salary. Earlier on in my career, I was working um, in a very... In, in a great, large, multinational company. And I had realized that a lot of the guidance that I was getting around progress and advancement and professional development wasn't really translating into um, a career progression for me. And I was frustrated that I wasn't getting the kind of feedback that I needed to give them what they needed to see in order to you know, give me a raise and um, a promotion. And because this was early on in my career, I was relying on things like, you know, your one-on-ones and your professional development stuff and HR. And out of sheer frustration, one day I was sitting with one of my friends who happened to be a dude. And I just said, here's how much I'm making. And I know that this is not enough, but I have no way to know um, what it should be. And as soon as I said that, he just looked at me like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That is like a lot less than. And then he named two people who were doing exactly what I was doing. One of them had been around just as long as I had. Hmm. But one of them had joined later. So I had seniority over them. And I was making less money than them. 
So now armed with this information, Sadia went to her boss to see how they can make it right. Um, I didn't name any names. I said, I've come across this information and I think this is unfair and I need to know how this will be corrected. And the response I was given was mostly around, well, this just happens to be in the middle of the year and we don't, you know, make any changes in the middle of the fiscal. So we will review this, not correct this, but review this at the end of the year. And what was frustrating for me was zero acknowledgement of what I had actually found, which was an unfair pay ladder. Mm-hmm. and no logical explanation of why I was on it other than, you know, that I didn't know any better and that I was a woman. Right. Um, at that time, I hadn't known as much about, you know, sexism that is rampant in our sector, but it felt very targeted and very unfair because all the other information that I had found, there was nothing else that was different other than gender. And ultimately, she ended up quitting. So frustrating. Yeah. And, you know, this is something that, again, as a female, uh, there are this type of thing. This isn't like a one off. Like this happens over and over and over again. And it's something I've never had to deal with. But in this case, this is something that Sadia and women like Sadia have to deal with all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we dove deeper into the data. And Uber recently released their internal diversity report because they came under fire. And they found that of its 12,000 employees, only 8% were black. And they're not alone. I mean, Uber's competitor, Lyft, they had their own report and found that 18% of its tech and engineering teams were women and only 1% of its leadership team was black. So even at Google, they, they recently came under fire when one of their male employees was circulating an anti-diversity manifesto. A memo criticizing Google's push for more diversity is causing, well, a uh, controversy would hmm. be an understatement. Here. Yeah, that is the <laughs> understatement. Teresa Carrasco joins us now with more on that. Of course, some other headlines making news this morning. Good morning, Trace. Good morning, ladies. Yes, a memo written by an unnamed senior software engineer at Google has now gone viral. The memo suggests Google has fewer female engineers because men are better suited for the job. In the memo published by Gizmodo, the Google employees said the company also initiatives are uh, the initiatives of the company to increase diversity, discriminate against some employees and that a liberal bias among executives and many employees makes it... So why do companies fail to build a diverse workforce? Culture starts from the top, man. Culture absolutely starts at the top and what people care about at the top. It's totally a reflection of that, right? And so at these companies, if the CEOs, if the executives, if the boards, if these people actually care about diversity, they will make it happen. If that's really a priority, they will make it happen. And in Silicon Valley, the recruiting pools, which were established years ago, I mean, they're still really largely just white males from Stanford and Cal Berkeley. Yeah, and if you have you know, white executives and you have a, a pool that is largely white, most likely, and, and studies show that they are going to recruit people that look like them, either on paper or, or physically. And so this just perpetuates the problem because we don't have anyone at the top who's pulling up people of underrepresented backgrounds. Recruiting from 
Stanford and Cal Berkeley and like these places that are only in these certain cities and areas at schools that are, you know, literally have like 1% black people or 2% black people or Latino or whatever it is, right? Then that's what you're going to get, you know? That's what you're going to get. You have to fix that pipeline problem. You have to go out there and really start talking to people that come from different places, different cities, different schools. I mean, that's where a lot of this a lot of this starts. You know, there's some really, really brilliant people out there. And now now can't people apply directly to these companies, right? So like you don't have to go to Stanford or Cal Berkeley, right? Have you ever tried, have you ever really tried applying to a Facebook? Let me, let me tell you how this shit is, Michael. So I've had people who are absolutely brilliant, right? And I actually talked to this one founder. He happened to be a, you know, be a white male, but this is actually very, very true to Facebook. You apply to Facebook without any recommendations or anybody that you have connected there, more than likely you are going to get turned down or never get into the pipeline. They'll just send you an automated message and say, hey, sorry, you're not what we're looking for. Thank you for applying, right? And who are the people with those connections in these companies? People that look like the people that are in the companies, right? It's, it's really, really tough to crack through um, when, if you just try to apply as a regular person with no connections into that company. I don't care if you're white, black, Spanish, or whoever, it's already that difficult, right? And it's even that harder when you're someone who's a diverse candidate that may not have the same connections as someone else. Things like access, connections, your personal network, these are largely social constructs that could be actually really difficult to fix. So Google, for instance, Teams are encouraged to pull from their personal network when hiring key employees, but if their personal networks are largely white and oftentimes male, well, then they're simply persisting the problem rather than actually fixing it. Just like, you know, from the hiring pools, right, if we're, if we're largely hiring from Stanford and Cal Berkeley, if our personal networks match those, that isn't a better solution to the problem. At Stripe, which is an online payment processor, they realized they had a problem. They realized that their pipeline for new hires wasn't diverse enough and they were losing out on this whole segment of the talent pool simply because through their hiring process, they're actually preventing underrepresented segments from getting through. Christina Cordova, who leads Stripe's partnerships team, she saw this and she took it on as a personal mission to fix it with inside the company. So about, I would say, a year and a half ago, um, you know, I was very passionate about diversity and inclusion internally at Stripe, and um, I actually got the company to launch its first um, inclusion survey. Um, so this was specifically a survey asking for um, uh, understanding the representation of various different backgrounds of employees at Stripe. Um, so uh, gender, race, ethnicity, etc. Um, and then also asking questions about um, how those employees feel um, in terms of inclusion, whether or not they feel like they belong at Stripe, whether they feel like um, they're getting resources to make them successful here. The conclusion of this story, along with our interview with Arlen Hamilton, are available in part two, already in the feed. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It's your support that keeps the show going. Rocketship.fm is now part of the Podglomerate Network. If you want to learn more about the other shows on the Podglomerate Network, go to thepodglomerate.com. 
Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. If you go to productcollective.com, you could check out live video interviews, sign up for our newsletter, be a part of our Slack group with over 6,000 product people. Just check it out at productcollective.com.